Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Over the last several weeks, we've been exploring um, Alpha, um, which looks at some of the basics of faith, and this week we turn to the question of what is the church? Some of my earliest memories of church are walking into Chapel Hill United Methodist Church in Oklahoma City, a hand in each one of my parents' hands. I uh, can remember um, the smells even to this day of that building. Buildings are oftentimes what we think about when we think about church. Many of our church buildings are beautiful, but did you know that for the first 300 years of the church's life, there were no church buildings? So church buildings are not the essence of church. It's a little bit like a marriage. You might say, well, what is a marriage? You might say, well, there's this ring and there is a marriage license, but those are not the essence of marriage. At the heart of it is something that is more profound. And at the heart of the church is something that is more beautiful and amazing and glorious. What I want to do today is look at just some of the images that are found in the New Testament. There are over 100 images and metaphors about the church, and don't worry, I'm not going to go through each and every one of them, but I have picked out five that I want to explore. The first image we hear in um, the New Testament is the word friends. Jesus says this, I call you my friend. Really kind of amazing if you sit there and you think about it for just a moment. Jesus says, I call you my friend. What an amazing thing to think about ourselves as having a friendship with Jesus, but it's not just about a friendship with Jesus, it's a friendship with one another. It's one of the things that I have loved so much about this community is the friendships that I have developed, or the story group that I uh, am in on Wednesday evenings, that we have been together and pray for each other, that we have been together in highs and in lows, that we are friends. Someone said that there are two things you cannot do alone. The first is you cannot get married alone, and the second is you can't be a Christian alone. Pope Francis says that being a Christian means belonging to the church. The writer of Hebrews encourages those who are listening, let us not give up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. I read a story about a young man. It's probably an apocryphal story and not real, but it serves its purpose. One time he had had this strong faith. He was active in his church. He was committed. He had a strong prayer life. And over the time, he found himself less and less engaged with the church. And he wanted to get back what he had once felt. So he goes to the wise man in the village and he goes and he tells him, I am feeling less and less connected to faith and to God. What do I do? 
And the wise man, without really saying anything, goes and grabs a pair of tongs and pulls out a red-hot coal from the fire, sets it down on the hearth, and looks at it. And soon the glow began to go away, and it looked dead. So the wise man picks up the coal with the tongs again, places it back into the fire, and immediately it turns red hot again. The young man understood perfectly well what his friend had told him, why he had lost his enthusiasm, because we need one another. We need to encourage one another, and that is one of the things that makes church in a pandemic so difficult, is that the normal things, gathering here for coffee after service or joining together in Sunday schools and social events are so difficult. But it is so important to do the things that we can do. The second image that we find in the New Testament is family. And in many ways, it's even more incredible than the first one. That we are not just friends, but we are family and we are the family of God. The church is not an organization that you join. It's a family that you belong to. St. John says that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. In other words, that you are a child of God. God is your father and everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. St. John warns us that you can't love God but dislike his children. You cannot love God and dislike his church. God is your father and that makes us brothers and sisters. God's intention was to bring the entire human race together as a family united around Jesus Christ. And by being a member, not, just by, not by birth, but by rebirth. Jesus talks about being reborn by water and the Holy Spirit. Jesus was baptized and he commands us to be baptized as well. Becoming a Christian involves three things. The first is it's something that God does. God gives us the Holy Spirit. God gives us grace. Secondly, it's something that you do. You repent and you believe in response to God's gracious invitation. And thirdly, it's something the church does, baptize. Baptism is the mark of being a member of the church. It symbolizes washing and being cleansed. The water is cleansing like we are cleansed through the blood of Jesus. It symbolizes the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, out of your innermost being will flow the rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit coming forth from us. It symbolizes the dying and the rising with Christ. Paul uses this image. He says that when you are baptized, when you are baptized, we are baptized into Christ Jesus. In some mystical way, we are baptized into his death. So that when Christ died on the cross, we died. We were buried with him when Jesus was buried. The old life is gone and through baptism and into that death in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead, we too are raised to new life. There's a story about St. Augustine who prior to being a Christian was known to be a womanizer. Someone who enjoyed to drink too much and eat too much. One day he is walking through town and he comes across a prostitute who he knew very well. And she begins to cry out to him, Augustine, Augustine. And Augustine keeps on walking down the street. 
So she runs up to him and she goes, Augustine, Augustine, it is I. And Augustine looks at her and says, yes, but it is no longer I. Their image that we find in scripture is home. I love church because it's friends, it's family. And then I love it because of this other word, home. In the Old Testament, the physical temple was God's home. That was the place where God resided and was present in the world. That is why, as we read in Scripture, the people went there so often. But in the New Testament, it is not a physical building. It is a building made up of people. Paul, St. Paul talks about a holy temple. He says, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God's Holy Spirit will live. Jesus tells us that when two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of you. In other words, when the church comes together, God shows up. Jesus is present. The Holy Spirit is made known. There's something amazing about coming home. I think about the days when I was in college and uh, I had uh, more laundry to do than I cared to do. And I knew if I piled it all up in my car, my mother would do it for me. Maybe a, uh, a nice hot meal or taking me out to my favorite restaurant. Coming home means to be refreshed and revived, to be reinvigorated and re-energized. And that's what the early church did. They came together. They came together like coming home. And when they came together, what they did is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They heard the words of Scripture read and their sermons preached. They committed themselves to fellowship, to friendship with one another to the breaking of bread, sharing and holy communion, and they devoted themselves to praying for one another. Church is designed to be a place where people come, a place where you will not be judged, where you will be loved, accepted, and welcomed, welcomed home. It'd be difficult to talk about the church if we didn't use the fourth image, and that is Jesus. St. Paul says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you part, are part of it. He says, Jesus is the head and you are the body and together you make up Jesus to the world. People will only know Jesus through looking at you. It is through you that Jesus is made known. Jesus never wrote a book. He formed a community. He started with a small community of 12, and from that small group, it grew rapidly. And for 2,000 years, it has been growing. We are the body of Christ. And so unity is important. We need one another. I don't have the whole truth. No one has the whole truth. It is only together that we get a better view of the one who is truth, Jesus Unity and truth go hand in hand. Jesus prayed that we may be one, and through being one, the world may come to believe. I don't know if you've noticed it, but our world at times seems rather divided and rather angry. And a divided and hurting world demands a united church. We are supposed to be an example of unity, a unity that is so powerful and so beautiful because what unites us as Christians is far greater than anything that divides us. 
Now, unity does not mean uniformity. There's lots of different parts, and variety is great, and we can learn from one another. I often tell people in newcomer classes that the Episcopal Church, the Anglican tradition, is a little bit like the father in my big fat Greek wedding. We think that we probably are the source for everything and originated everything, and if uh, people would just get in line, things would be so much better. And I oftentimes would sit there and go, gosh, how does that church do that thing? They must be so wrong. But now I oftentimes find myself, what is it that I can learn from them? What is it that they share about Christ that I have not experienced? Paul says that we are not to consider ourselves better than others. I think it's a challenge for us as Christians to think that we are better than others. So a united church that is gathered praying and giving and serving a church is the largest volunteer organization in the world. Did you know this? That Christians lead the world in feeding the hungry, visiting people in the hospital, serving people in prison, caring for ex-offenders, fighting injustice and human trafficking. Doing all these things is the thing that the church does more than anyone else. And I think it's because the last image, the image of love. Love is what sums up Jesus' ministry and teaching. It sums up the gospel. Presiding Bishop Michael Curry says that if it isn't about love, it's not about God. Church is a little bit like a love affair. I love the church because Jesus loves the church. Jesus loves each and every one of us. Paul writes to the church and says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then he goes on to talk about marriage, but he says, actually, I'm not talking about marriage at all. I am talking about this profound love mystery between Christ and the church. If you just have an institution, it can be a bit dry, but if you just have the love and the fire of the Holy Spirit, but no community, your faith can be unstable. But when we bring the love, the fire, the enthusiasm for Jesus with the institution of the church, it is so strong, so powerful, and what a witness to the world. Where are you going in your relationship with Jesus long term? Jesus loves you unconditionally, wholeheartedly, and without exception. We express our love for God and our worship and by what we do in our service. My dream for Christ churches is that we would be known in this community to be a place of radical, inclusive, unconditional love filled with people of different backgrounds, ages, ethnicities, lifestyles, and perspectives. The church is not to be a museum that displays perfect people. It is more like a hospital that welcomes the broken, the hurt, the wounded, and helping them to find healing. That this unconditional love that God offers us breaks down barriers and it puts people back on their feet and it heals them. A good friend of mine, Deacon Dion Kreider, uh, several years ago went to a Kairos weekend. Kairos is a renewal weekend in which prisoners are invited to come and hear of this radical love of God and Jesus Christ. 
Dion said there was a weekend that changed his life forever. He met a man there by the name of Chance. Chance went to the weekend solely because he knew that it would give him time off and get out of prison sooner. Dion said there was something noticeable about Chance. He had KKK and neo-Nazi tattoos on his face, arms, and hands. Chance was quiet and kind of stayed in the corner and didn't really talk to anyone. And, but over the weekend, he opened up a little bit more and a little bit more. The last day, they are gathered for this closing service. And Chance got up and said, I have something to say. He said his entire life, the only thing he knew was hatred. And he turned to his African-American brothers and sisters in the room, and he asked them for their forgiveness. He asked them to forgive them for the hatred and the violence that he had shown, and he asked them to help him find a new way of living life. Needless to say, there was not a dry eye in the room as everyone began to hug, and people who at one time would not have even uh, walked near each other began to embrace what God and Jesus Christ can do to all of us, and it's a picture of what the church is to be about. Being a Christian means belonging to a church. You don't go to church. You are the church, but you cannot do it on your own. Mother Teresa said this, you can do what I cannot do, and I can do what you cannot do, and together we can do amazing things. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more, go to ChristChurchTulsa.org. And peace be with you.